you know, religious households, you know, if you get them the room to talk shit, they're going to do it. Especially if they have, you know what I'm saying? I mean, especially if they have, you know, each other to talk shit with. There's no Mm -hmm. one there to say, hey, y'all are talking shit. I wanted to see, though, because you said you have... I'm looking at the amount of siblings. How many? Oh, oh four she has three siblings. support, three supportive, and one that's so the oldest. So you should one, just say, "Hey, you know, statistically, one in four children <laughs> are gonna be gay." It's me. <laughs> hey, hey, y'all! It is Anifa Walida, and it is Red Summer, and we your gay aunties. Hey, babies. Hey, babies. Guess what? Guess where we at? For the first time in many, many years, probably not many, many, but enough. Well, the first time, the first time, at least for this podcast, that we've ever been in the same room at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of going to be night and day. But enjoy this episode while you can, because it's going to go right back to the old shit on episode 66. (laughs) (laughs) So we're enjoying it. Yes, yes. Good to see you again Mm -hmm. and and do this new episode, because the children have letters. Yes, they do. And so I just want to let you all know that Your Gay Aunties is a weekly podcast that is centered around queer adulting. So if you want Auntie Red and Auntie Hanifa to answer your questions about life and love or any of your experiences, go ahead and send us a letter at yourgayaunties at gmail.com or you can DM us at Instagram or Twitter, because <laughs> we're there too, at Your Gay Aunties. <laughs> Say word. All right. So the reason why me and Red are in the same place, and that's kind of wicked. We're kind of sitting side by side. <laughs> but okay. Anyway. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason why we're in the same place is Red uh, is just in town for a friend's soiree. Mm-hmm. Um, and she texted me and said, "Well, I'm gonna be in town." I was like, "Oh shit, we can do, we can do an episode together." Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> And so we're, we're, we have been just talking so much before we even hit record. We forgot we were here to record the episode. episode. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But what has been good, though, um, since last yo, week? Yo, coming up to my, my last week of the semester, well, no, until the break, because our semester kind of goes into January. But at least I get a nice little break from the children, children. At work, and uh, my children are coming home for the holidays. The ones who were grown and moved out, so it'll be it'll be a nice couple of weeks. <laughs> sweet, sweet. You said you were also you were checking out the uh, the trap museum while you was here because yeah. you check out the competition as you right, put it. <laughs> right, because you know I have the um, a hip hop museum which is uh, operating as a pop up right now, and so we go to different cities and we set up the hip hop museum and. Um, we are looking for space here in Atlanta. And of course, while I'm here, I have to see what's here. Mm-hmm. And the Trap Museum is, is one of those places that I'm going to go check out while, while we're in town. Yeah, I still haven't seen the Trap Museum. I mean, um, someone told me they wasn't all that impressed by it. When they were describing it, I was like, so that's the museum? I, said, <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe I don't understand enough about Trap to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But she seemed like a trap head, and she didn't seem to appreciate it, so I don't know. But um, but you know what? I don't mean that. I don't want to give no shade to the trap museum. Anybody that puts culture out there or um, kind of I don't know uh, presents culture in some sort of to the masses, if you will, you know, anyone that does the work, that does culture work, yeah. you know, um, I'm on your side um, with that. But at some point, I'll get my ass over there, and you know. But again, I probably won't know what I'm looking at anyway. So. Oh, I think you will. It uh, from my research so far, it looks like it's different. It is places that are IGable, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you can you have you go through the museum and there are certain like scenarios set up. So you might be in a trap kitchen. You might be um it yeah. So they have it all set up. Like, all right. So let me see if I understand one thing. Right. Okay. So with trap music, because I I don't want to speak out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. My understanding of trap is that it got its name because it was just some hood shit and and it kind of just um, you know a trap house was where they made drugs. They made drugs. Look at me. I sound so corny. <laughs> but whatever, stew drugs. Where they drugs. made the reefers. <laughs> 
but how did it come from, okay, how did the crack house, or, not, or the dope house, or wherever they made the dope, you know, how did a music take on that? Like, how? Um, so, and I was even about to go back to, like, okay, so NWA, <laughs> right? <laughs> they make a song, right? Called, like, I, I forget the name of the song, but it's basically, like, how to set up a dope house. Right. Mm. Um, and then Biggie did another one, like mm. the Ten Crack Commandments, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so in music, it really was giving you like a guide on how to be a drug dealer. Damn. And so trap music, like the trap house, is where like a lot of the people one got their money. A lot of them set up their first recording studios, mm-hmm. like in the trap house where they all would be hanging out. Anyway, and so yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand work. like the the significance of it, of the culture also here, like the trap house and the strip club are kind of like what made Atlanta music, like is, where you would test it out to see if it was good or not. Yeah, which is why we, you know, when that's why when the priest said all that bullshit, I was like, but nigga, you, you, how are you going to diss sisters for ramen? Some sisters, not all sisters, but some right. sisters using stripping as their baseline for ramen or, or image. And you, you the nigga. That said, go to the strip club, strip club to test out the music. Right. So like, I think he actually you said this in one episode that you know brothers or MCs at the time, if the strippers ain't danced to it, then it wasn't it wasn't gonna hit no way. Then it never you know got to yeah. the radio. It never yeah, it got, got nowhere. Exactly. Club. So what you, you know, anyway. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So like the strippers were like the first gatekeepers of mm-hmm. hip hop music in Atlanta. Wow. Right? <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm interested to go see what they what they have and how they have it set up and. Um, really, for my own, you know, research as well, looking at, you know, just more IGable spaces huh. know, when we do the pop-ups. Well, you ever heard of this chick named Stacey Epps? I feel like I I'm going to call her a chick, but this woman. Um, because I went to, uh, my homeboy took me to her show. She hadn't done a show in years, but she, even though I think she's from New York, because I hear her, her accent, mm-hmm. she made, she came up in Atlanta. Came okay. up as in a young adult in Atlanta. And so she had an album that really popped um, here. So I was just curious if you knew her because I saw her um, her show. And I really like some of her stuff, man. Oh, yeah. No, you know. I, I, like, she does look familiar, mm-hmm. and but I don't know her, like, personally. Yeah, she's like an entertainment lawyer now. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's, all right. So we're going to be, look, we got, we got, we got, we got two letters uh, mm-hmm. today. This is so weird. <laughs> I don't like, know if I should look at you. I know, right? And also just the, the freedom to just talk and not worry about, like, the thing catching or cutting one of us off or whatever. Y'all don't... Well, I guess y'all do know. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of the podcasters know <laughs> the technical struggles that if you, we if you were, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you record remotely, you know, and even just to be able to see you mm-hmm. and it's a different reaction. To, I mean, I can see you with the... You know, the, the screen, but still, like, it's it's a different kind of reaction time. Yeah. Anyway, so, all right, so let's have fun then. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's do our first letter here. Here's your letter. Um, C. Diddy. C. Diddy. That's what we're going to call her. I say, we're going to call her C. Diddy. Because, yet again, if y'all want us to not use your name you need to be clear on that because if you don't if you're not clear we're going to default that you want to be anonymous because we don't want to get nobody caught out there that that wasn't prepared all right um all right so c diddy says hey i'm i'm a super i'm super new to the podcast and i've been jumping around listening to different ones it just so happened i decided to come out as a lesbian right before thanksgiving (laughs) Okay. And my family's reaction to it very was very Christian. Okay. Oh, before we go into this um, this letter, actually, um, I want to make sure because um, she did a follow up letter just to for more clarity. So sorry, mm-hmm. guys. Just one second. Let me just bring that letter up because I think I actually asked her a couple of questions. Oh, child, where is this this um, damn letter? Oh, Lordy. Okay, where the letter? (laughs) Where is the letter? Oh, it might be in letters. (laughs) All right. Um, Oh, yes, this is it. All right, yeah. All right, so um, 
Right, so I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna read, so her letter's really in two parts, all right? So anyway, so hey, I'm super new to the podcast and I've been jumping around listening to different ones. It just so happened that I decided to come out as a lesbian right before Thanksgiving and my family's reaction to it was very ellipsis, Christian. <laughs> um, everything happened so fast. I fell in love, of course, and I just couldn't hide her. This sounds very familiar. <laughs> I'm struggling with adjusting, learning, and even figuring out what to say if people have questions. I beat myself up sometimes because I waited so long, and everyone I know who is out had been um, for a while, and they don't really want to deal with going through this process again. Help. Now, I kind of asked um, C. Diddy um, just to expound a little bit, little things I just wanted to know to help me really, you know, qualify, really understand her, her letter. And so she, she, um, and she replied back to me, say, um, well, I didn't want to, you know, do a super long email, you know, the first time out, ha ha ha. <laughs> but she said, I am 22 from Chicago, but currently live in the DFW Metro. That's Dallas Fort Worth. Okay. Right. I was like, who do he? <laughs> All right, she's in Dallas. All right. Um, I have uh, mostly straight friends who are supportive. My LGBTQ friends can sometimes overstep. I am in a relationship and she is 27. I definitely have had more exposure since being with her simply because I didn't know where to find the spots in the city. I grew up in a very Christian household. I have four siblings, three of whom accept and support me, while my older sibling and parents are hell-bent on turning my life around. <laughs> I recently had a relationship status change on Facebook, and so many aunties and old church people sent me Bible scriptures. Gag. All right. So thank you, C. Diddy. <laughs> Okay. Um. There's a there's there's much more. I'm glad I'm glad I asked her to kind of just give us a little bit more. Um. Well, let's just start from her first premise. You know, as far as coming out um, to her family, you know, during uh, the holidays, um, and not having these group of friends, or it feels like you know. Now you said you're you're, you're 22 and you say you came out late. That's really interesting. That, That's I know. <laughs> Because when she said, I'm like, okay. like you waited so long. Well, like you, I, I like, thought she already. <laughs> Jeez. 22. But you, you know, I, I, because I work with teenagers, like so many of them are out in high school now. Like they already Shoot, are aware and know and yeah. all of that. So, yeah. So for this generation, 22 Too feels late. Late to them. But yeah, yeah. To, to your aunties. <laughs> Baby, you right on time, honey. That's the golden time. The early 20s, you better have fun. But it's interesting when you say your friends, at least your LGBTQ friends, um, they, uh, one in one of your emails, you say they overstep. Another one, you said that they really don't got time for you to help you come out, right? Mm -hmm. Now, first of all, if your friends are comparable in age, I'm assuming in the young 20s, they're... I, I mean, when did they come out? 11? I mean, mm -hmm. how passe is coming out to them at this age at this point? So I think that they're being a little kiki on you. And, and I understand the feeling of like, oh, God, honey, I don't really want to go, through, <laughs> go yeah. through that with you. But, um, I mean, look, we can't make your friends do anything. But I think they need to get you know, get it in gear. They're, they're not so old where they can't, you know, help a, another young person out mm -hmm. at least show you where to go. <laughs> you know, like, what's the clubs? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, to find other people or maybe, you know, people who have just came out, you know, um, the way you have, um, quote-unquote, late in life. <laughs> um, but... But, too, like, what I know of uh, Dallas and Texas... Is that like you have community there, like, you know, gay community there, but it's so hard to find each other. Like everybody mm. is like, especially Dallas is kind of like a spread out kind of city. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to know the people who know where to go. Like until you know, like until you're plugged in, like you really will be outside of the community by yourself for a minute. 
Wow. Right. <laughs> and but then it's also once you get in the community, finding your community within that within community. The, community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just knowing straight just social standards, <laughs> you know, norms and how to navigate, you know, talk to a girl. If you're you know, if you're the person that you know, if you're the kind of person that approaches people or Well, she's or in receiving. this relationship. Oh, no, oh that's she's right. I love. forgot about this. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's what I wanted to say. That's what I wanted to say. Uh, part of the letter is like it is so indicative of someone who is newly in love to let that be the force that pushes your ass out the closet at all costs. Fuck your, fuck your, your family, yeah. all that. Like, cause yeah. that's what that's what did it to me. I thought I was in love, so that <laughs> that forced me out the closet, and I, you know, and I kind of, you know, told I said, "Mommy, deal with it," type of thing, you know. Um, and I was dealing with a, a Muslim household, so I totally get, you know. Like, don't feel like you, like, I don't know if you're feeling like, you know, having to deal with your, your family. Listen, listen, they're going, there's, there's much work that they have to do mm-hmm. um, first. So don't feel like all the work is on you or you are just the one there reacting to them all the time. You know what I mean? You can take space if you're, obviously, if you are a person, you know, you, you can take care of yourself, pay your rent, do all that. You're not dependent on them for anything per se. You can literally take space. I um, mean, sometimes you just need to give family space, quite honestly. Um, now, Christian, or rather she said uh, very Christian, um, that space um, can, it could do good. And, you know, religious households, you know, if you get them the room to talk shit, they're going to do it. Especially if they have, you know what I'm saying? I mean, especially if they have, the, you know, each other to talk shit with. There's no mm-hmm. one there to say, hey, y'all are talking shit. I wanted to see, though, because you said you what? have, I'm looking at the amount of siblings. How many? Oh, oh she has three siblings. support, three supportive and one that's so the oldest one. So you should just sense. say, hey, you know, statistically, one in four children <laughs> are going to be gay. It's me. <laughs> well, if they're very Christian, they, they're probably on it. You know, this is a choice you're making, aligned with the devil and all that good, all that bad stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so in one sense... First of all, think about your own mental health. If your family is very toxic right now, then you do need to take space because this is the space. This is your time and this is your space for you to come out. Just coming out to them is not coming out. Coming out (laughs) is, again, finding your community, finding your people, finding who you are in a relationship, finding who you are in the world with this identity and really getting comfortable with that to where it's no thing. It is a part of your skin. And you say getting into your skin, that's a part of it. Okay. So I think you need to, however long that time takes, that's the time you're taking. So even if you're not speaking to your family or you're taking real space, (laughs) or at least with a family that's not feeling you, then that's okay. You know what I mean? And however long that takes, however long it takes, if they got an issue with that, say, listen, this ain't about y'all. This is about me. Mm. I'm getting myself together. Yeah. Because trust me, you will you will be so thankful that you took the time to get yourself together. Because when it is time to go back home and deal with them, you'll be so equipped. So, I hate to use say the word weaponized, but that's how you kind of feel like you got an armor on. Because when you're really in your skin about yourself, no one can, when they say shit to you, it's, you're almost going to laugh it off. You know, I mean, it's a part of pain because these are the people who raised you. So, you know, family can always hurt you the easiest. Mm -hmm. But as long as you have already developed your own secondary family one, whether that's in a relationship or, you know, like literally maybe have another family or just your community, your friends Mm -hmm. and who you are. You understand family to yourself and who you are as a person. Then your family really can't hurt you. They can annoy you, you know, but you also can find the words to start communicating to them who you are and who they are in context of you. And when it comes down to it, they're going to have to make, make a choice because you've already made your choice not to be gay, but to honor who you are. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be um, a major point because one, like talking about this, this chosen family, right? This new family that we create, you are already going to spend more time with your friends and your peers anyway. Mm -hmm. And so you'll spend the majority of your time in safe space, in supportive space, in, you know, space where you can be free and be yourself. Mm -hmm. And then the times that you spend um, in space that does not feel as supportive Mm -hmm. will be like 
so minimal in comparison, mm-hmm. right? So you're there at Thanksgiving. You got another holiday coming up in a, another week or so, whenever it is. Um, you can can make those decisions. I I support what Hanifa is saying about like getting ready and getting you know armored up. But I also feel like you don't have to defend shit. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to explain anything. You don't have to defend anything. Like you don't have to go in like being prepared to you know knock a nigga down if you need. Like <laughs> you don't. You just have to show up in the space and be you authentically. Mm-hmm. And I think people respond to authenticity in a way that um, does not leave space for. For bullshit. You're really hitting on the nose. That is really what that armor is, is your authenticity. Mm. I don't care who you are yeah. or how homophobic you are. When somebody's really giving you who they are, there's only but so much fight you got in you. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's only so much you you can only say but so much right. <laughs> before you give up. So somebody's like, You shouldn't be gay. I am. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Exactly. Like, where does the argument go from there? Exactly, and and that's what it is. You know, you're ready when you don't even feel like arguing. Mm -hmm. This is not a. You're not trying to be combative. You're not even trying to tense up when you walk through the door, though that may happen anyway because they're still our family. But you Mm -hmm. may, you know, what I'm saying you're in there. It's like, look, I'm here to experience y'all. To be yeah. my family, um, you know. I mean, listen. If it gets to the point where you know they're really coming at you on some BS, you of course you're going to have to say something. But the manner in which you say it and what you say. It's going to be everything. So take this time, yo. Yeah. Take this time. My easiest, like, comebacks, though, were like, I thought God didn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Well, God knew I was going to be gay, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there anything that happens that, that's outside of God's control? Well, then I'm good. Like, God already knew. So we good. You good. God good. All right. Cool. Y'all want to eat? Like, yeah, well, again, so if you have a sense of humor, that's even better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but it just kind of puts back the, and I'll just call it like the hypocrisy of it. Mm. Like, I'm trying to tell you, you know, that you're against God, but how could I possibly be against God? Exactly. As opposed, <laughs> as opposed to saying, well, there are other sins which are being selective because mommy, you know, you be the one, you know, don't go that route. Like, yeah. that's, that's, I mean, for strangers... That's a good route. <laughs> you know, but family, you know, the, you don't want to be combative. And and, and, and and really, we don't know your family, so we don't know how combative they are. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, if they just talking shit or, you know, if they're violent or, you know, not even so much violent as hitting you, but violent in, you know, like getting the church against you or something just in some sort like they're really being active in their hatred of your, of your, of your, <laughs> Home, your homeowness. I don't know. <laughs> you know, but, you know, so you know your family best. Um, I feel like I'm talking to the phone, right? <laughs> anyway, so you know, you know, you know your family best, but really it's about who you're going to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I do kind of, you know, and I, I, listen, I don't, I'm, I'm just wondering, okay, you're 22, your girl is um, uh, 27, and we wish y'all um, the best of luck. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, um, and 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 take this with a grain of salt. Cause listen, I my niece and my uh, I can't say my niece and my nephew, my niece and her husband, they was high school sweethearts. They're still together. Got two kids. Um, mm-hmm. Family always growing and strengthening. So it is possible to stay with the person that you're with right out the gate. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, whether you're gay or straight, but it is also possible. <laughs> <laughs> but and this is not trying to say oh y'all ain't gonna work that I, i'm not i'm just saying that i am looking back on my 20s and trust me you're talking to someone who's been in mostly monogamous relationships so mm-hmm. i have not been that whole and i've had opportunities but i'm it's not in my nature really to be yeah. but um there is something to be said to get your hoe on Okay, because it is a different kind of energy. Um, get your whoring on if, if I'm not being clear. <laughs> um, because a different kind of energy when it's just you and you're navigating your sexuality with different kinds of people, mm. as opposed to trying to build what you are with just one person. And 
I think, and this is this is gay or straight, I personally believe that when you are young, that that is a time that you really get to explore your sexuality in a way where, not to say to be careless because you want to be safe, but you can just be out there like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and what you start to understand is what you like and what you don't like. Mm-hmm. Now, when you flip it and you've just been in a relationship, then your tastes, and unless you're a couple that's really into exploring, mm-hmm. um, your tastes, one person's going to kind of set the tone of what the relationship is going to be sexually, mm-hmm. um, even how you fight, like learning how to, honestly learning how to fight, um, learning how to express yourself, learning learning to just literally express yourself. Some people don't know how to express themselves yeah. to, with their partner, you know, because we're still shaking off, especially when you're young, shit, <laughs> now. Um, right. We're still shaking off um, childhood traumas. You're still shaking off how you were raised to be. And you're coming from a Christian household, so you may come in with very Christian ideas. Forget about you being gay. You still, those Christian ideas still can be holding strong, and you don't know what you bring into the party. That's good, bad, or whatever. But you find a lot of that out. It's almost like um, the speed dating of relationships is if you're with a lot of people, and not to say you got to be a whole horde of people. I'm just saying, but you know, date. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you start to understand yourself better. People are going to tell you about yourself. You know, they're going to yeah. say, this is what I'm experiencing with, with you, you. Mm-hmm. you know, whereas with one person from the jump, you know, you know, um, especially y'all both young, I'm sorry, 27 is still hella fucking young, you know, um, y'all still, you know, trying to get it together. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying good luck with that. Yeah. But- um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm just thinking like, I know the, the person who I was like. She's coming to the house to see mama and grandmama. Like, this is what it is. Like, I I mm-hmm. just wouldn't even speak to her if I saw her on the street today. You know what I'm saying? Like, right today. Like, oh, my God. Um, Listen, I've forgotten names. I haven't forgotten names, but I promise you well, I, I hey. will act like I did. I don't forget a face. <laughs> oh, well, actually, I, I have one time. <gasps> I know. Oh. I mean, I, I I returned to the Bay Area, you know, and it was clear that this person, we had been intimate, and I couldn't remember a name. Oh. I was like, and, and I'm not a hoe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had whole moments, but I'm not like, I've just been fucking out here for 24-7, 365, and just now settled down. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but, you know, you know, hey. Yeah, but well, I, mean, I just say that you know, even in my short experience, the women in the bay are very friendly. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> and they were very nice to rest <laughs> in my twenties. <laughs> All this being said is that there are people who you may who may become vague in memory mm-hmm. from your twenties. I know your twenties feels real right now Ooh. and present. You know why? Because it is. Mm-hmm. But as soon as and you start, everything is so strong and so fresh. And, yeah, like. Yeah. But you also, but the boss of society tells you that you're grown, or at least tells you that you are technically an adult. You can drink now and shit. So mm-hmm. you also come up with this kind of preconceived notion of like, okay, I know I'm young, but I'm also young. I'm a young adult, though. I, I could take on this world, which you should. Mm-hmm. Thus, our point. <laughs> but, yeah. but. As you get older, the 20s start fading, and then it becomes kind of laughable. Um, or I, I laugh about more things I did in my 20s <laughs> than not. You know what I mean? Um, but but also my 20s is where I came in. You know, I came up as an artist or yeah. whatever. So there are beautiful things that happen in your 20s, but it is a time in your life, and it is not the definitive time in your life, mm-hmm. I think. So we're just saying enjoy, mm-hmm. enjoy this mm-hmm. time, enjoy this relationship, yes. um, enjoy your your family as they are growing um, to a new level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Be you know be gentle with them, and you be gentle with yourself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> All right, C Diddy. Yeah, I hope C. I hope Diddy. we help some. <laughs> um, and you know, guess I mean Molly just put it out there. Hey, um, for the folks who live in Dallas. Y'all want to help C. Diddy out? Y'all can DM us at your gay auntie. Say, yo, she yes. need to go here, here, here on this is such night. 
Okay, like give the information or, or uh, post some um some postcards. This, I ain't talking to you promoters. <laughs> I mean the actual parties people go to, unless you're the promoter of those parties. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but you know whatever you give us via Instagram or your gay aunties, we'll pass on to C Diddy. So maybe she has some place to kind of figure out where. Um, Her community um, to go. is exactly, exactly, yeah. and also I just want to say, DDD, CDC, DDD, that know that you are blessed. That three of your siblings got your back. Yes, I don't know if they're older or younger. Um, well, actually, you, you said that, so they may be younger than you. But you know what? Guess what? Don't stop time. They're going to be adults pretty soon, mm-hmm. and it's all good. So you are, regardless of what happens with your parents and your eldest sibling. You will have family, as in blood. Yeah. You will have family, family, out there. You know, so have you know, lean on that and know that, and lean on that as you move forward and finding out who you are yeah. within the context of being a gay person. Yeah. All right. And shout out to my brother Craig, who always had my back. <laughs> <laughs> and with that being said, since I brought it up, I'm going to give it. I want to give a shout out to uh, my niece uh, Belkis, who has always had my back yeah. as well. All right, not the only one in the family, but in a very vocal, particular way, she's always had my back. So mm-hmm. um, I love you for that, Bill Keys. Um, all right. All right. All right. So we have, um, we can at least go to the, well, okay, so a uh, second letter. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so y'all should know, I'm not listening to our um, our show notes that our <laughs> wonderful, wonderful intern LB, you know, takes time to put together. But I should say this. We are getting it popping on Patreon, y'all. Okay, yeah. we got more tiers for y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, so people, depending on however, whatever, however your pocket yes. is sounding or feeling, <laughs> whether there's a bowl or you feeling around for Lent, <laughs> <laughs> but you want to support your gay aunties, mm-hmm. you can do so. We got three tiers right now. The one's called Auntie Love. It's just a one-time donation. Um, twenty-five dollars or more. When you when you know, give what you can when you got it. Um, of course, the second tier is one you all know, Sunday Brunch. That's a monthly um, contribution of $10. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what you get for that. And that basically is you get a shout out like you did with um, Auntie Love, the first tier I just mentioned. And with Sunday Brunch, you also get to see the videotaping of our, um, the fourth Sunday of every month, the videotaping of that show. Mm-hmm. And you get it three days um, earlier and then the third tier is the you people tier um rockumentary tier um, we spoke of you people you people many times on this show um so you get to a free download of that for twenty dollars and that's also a one-time donation so go over to patreon.com slash your gay aunties and show us some love yeah yes yes because <laughs> yes, we want to keep this going absolutely we want to make it to episode 100 you know what i mean Nice. Yes. We're almost there. We're almost there. We're episode <laughs> 65 now. Oh my God, we are almost there. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> but we are going to start having some seasons though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All we right. can just break them up and just go ahead and we'll, put we'll, season We'll figure it out for 2020. Season two. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess you got the second letter. Okay. So um, the second letter is anonymous. Uh, Dear aunties, first off, I'd like to thank you both for creating and holding space for folks who could use some advice, love, and laughter from folks like you. My question is directed at Red. I wondered what she did to prepare herself for being a foster parent. What conversations did she have with her existing children and wife? What did she do to make room in her life and heart for someone new? Also, what was her experience as a black lesbian going through that process? Love and light. Um, so I actually, even though I have three foster children, I only went through the full process with the last one. Hmm. Um, and so the first two I call foster children, even though, um, the courts did not give me, um, like custody of them. I took them in when their parents put them out. Say what? Um, so I was teaching high school. I had really five different students who struggled with that. But um, the other two were able to get housing and get somewhere to be. Um, 
Um, but like right now, five children in the world who I did not birth call me mama. They call me for money. They call me for (laughs) what they need. Um, and so I was able to serve that role, um, that mother figure role for them once they came out, once they, they struggled with their families. Um, I have a question. So Mm -hmm. Were because you know you could take children in, but were they sixteen? Like you had to wait to a certain age because I know at a certain age you, you literally can't yeah. take them in because you so know it might be. Seasoned. I I had the I had one one child who was fifteen at the time, um, and that's the one who I you know went through the courts and everything to get. So her parents um, had abandoned her when she was a very small child. Um, she grew up with like. Kind of like the foster mom of her father. Hmm. Um, and she had a baby when she was 14. Mm-hmm. So um, when she came to my school, I taught her alternative school. So she came to my school and actually was like really good friends with uh, one of the girls that was living with me at the time. Um, and so, you know, uh, the baby was like, come on, I got a new friend. Like, it's the new <laughs> gay girl at the school. Come hang out at our house. <laughs> And so she kind of like tricked me, you know, mm-hmm. I always tease her about this because she was like, okay, um, I just need a ride, you know, mm-hmm. from my old placement to my new one. And she had the baby and, and her stuff. And so when we got everything in the car, she was like, oh, well, they're not answering. Can we just go to your house oh. for a while? And then the caseworker showed up. <laughs> right. Then the caseworker showed up and was like, oh, everything is lovely here. It looks like a nice home for her and the baby. You just got to sign here and we'll start the process. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> because I was not with a, a wife at the time. Mm-hmm. I was with a girlfriend. Um, and we were, you know, we had a, a nice size house. But I know at some point she was like, you bring one more damn kid in this house. <laughs> like straight cats and shit. <laughs> she definitely did collect cats and you, I collected children. Oh, y'all being lesbian to the most. Oh, oh my gosh. But we had the house, like they called our house the outhouse, right? <laughs> 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 Like we didn't have <laughs> we didn't have a flag out like a literal flag, but like everybody on the block knew that like anybody gay walking down the street was coming to our house, mm-hmm. and they'd be like, "You gotta go two houses down." Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, "No, that's they people." Like, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh god, it's gonna drive me up all day. Okay, but we had like a, a really big, like you know, Chicago houses are like really long. Mm-hmm. So we had like the whole first floor, and then we had a basement that was the same oh, okay. length. Um, so we had extra rooms down there. We had musical equipment. Like everybody would come and like hang out at our house a lot. Um, and so the kids loved to be there because they got to see adults who were also gay, and they were in safe space, and it was just like really creative space and it was cool like nobody was trying to mess with them like it was all like um mentory kind of energy mm-hmm. um and i was at uh i was at graduate school too so a lot of kids were like i'll babysit like i'll keep the kids mm-hmm. blah 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 so you could go to class like i had five babysitters in that space um so the the last one was the only one that I had to like go to court. Um, we actually met her mom in court. Mm. Like that was the, the mother that time. abandoned the her, mother, the younger yeah. one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, to because you had up, to, she had to give up the uh, yeah her parental her rights, parental yeah. rights. Um, and so yeah, she's even though they're all adults now, they're still. You know, they still call me mom. They're still a part of my life. Like, they still come visit me and bring my mm-hmm. grandbabies <laughs> to come and see me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Yes. Um, it's just... And, and you know, I'm the only grandmother that um, my youngest 
foster daughter that her child has. Mm-hmm. You know, her mm-hmm. her parents uh, have both passed on mm-hmm. um, since then, and her the grandmother that she had has passed on. So I'm literally like family. Her only family. Yeah. 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 Um, and so you know, it's it's kind of like that chosen family that we talked mm-hmm. about. Um, in the earlier letter, we we just found each other and we just took care of each other yeah. and we, we got each other to the next level. So the older one I was talking about um, before we started recording, um, all of my community got together. We had a trunk party. We sent her off to college when she graduated. Um, and when she decided that she was going to go to the military. Mm-hmm. Oh, this um, is the one that went to the military. Yeah. Okay. Um, she had a, a young son at the time and, you know, we were trying to figure out, like everybody figured out, like who was going to keep the baby. Well, you know, how mm-hmm. she was going to be able, cause she was deployed at the time, like how that was going to work. Like the community just covered down to make sure that, that she was good. And now she's thriving and, you know, <laughs> like they're all, you know, adults and, yeah. and doing well in the world. And I think it's just making sure that at that like really critical time. Mm-hmm. Because that's the time when so many of our um, young LGBT people have to go into the streets. They go yeah. into the shelter system. They go into prostitution and, and things like that. That um, Because they don't have that kind of that place to just transition from I've come out as a teenager to my family and been thrown away. Mm-hmm. to now I'm able to stand on my own two feet and support myself as an adult. Wow. Um, you know, I'm, did, I'm curious, like, with... Um, I, have, I have two questions. One, I want to make sure there's a particular question she asked. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure as far as the actual process as an as LGBT person trying yeah. to, you know. Um, would you say, like... Your foster kids, or or the uh, or the, the girl, they were girls, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, I have one son. One one son, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, not by a foster son. A foster son. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Okay, I thought they, I thought they were foster foster girls. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, well, your children, your foster children. As far as, because this is something a friend of mine dealt with. Um, her and her girlfriend at the time, they took in a foster child, but he was up. Uh, he was. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't past 18, but he was like 16, mm-hmm. 17, and he was a boy. Yeah. You know, they wanted a girl, but they got a boy. <laughs> <laughs> but there were things that they, because, you know, they were in the process of, you know, them becoming a family, and he was already 16 years deep of being raised by who knows what. Yeah. Right? Discipline-wise, or did you did you have disciplinary challenges with your foster kids as opposed to your kids who knew you from jump? Like, you know, how did that work? Um, the parenting, say, the parenting yeah. different. Yeah. I would definitely say that, like, my biological children were raised with my foster children as their siblings. Okay. Right? So it wasn't like, I don't use the term, like, foster with mm. them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, when you're in my house, you're my child, and, you know, <laughs> this is mm-hmm. what we're going to do. Um, we had a, like, the whole family had a knockdown, drag out when my oldest wanted to go to the military. Like, it was definitely a community conversation where we crying and, like, everybody's trying to plead with her not to go. Mm-hmm. Um, then um, the youngest of the foster children, um, she dropped out of school. Hmm. And, you know, with her dropping out and having having this child, like, it was very much like, okay, so what are you going to do? Like how, like you, you're not going to live here mm-hmm. and do nothing. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, everybody had to, um, to, to pitch in mm-hmm. and be a part of the family, especially once they were old enough to like work and, and contribute. Like I have this big house that we have to maintain to, in, in order to house the entire family. Yeah. So I'm not doing that alone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, um, and so I also had a situation where one of the children, her family came back to get her mm. from me. And this is the one that came on her own. She didn't go to the foster yeah, system. Yeah, she came on her own. Uh-huh. Um, and how her, old was she at this time? She was 17. Okay, so still technically. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. So her, you can emancipate at 16 though, right? You can. But, okay, tell the story. But her father came... Uh, right before she turned 18, 
Um, and I was getting ready to move to Atlanta. I was, you know, just kind of figuring out what I was going to do. Um, and he put her in a very unsafe situation. Um, and so it was very, very hard for me to, to feel like, oh, like, your your biological parent is here like mm-hmm. oh you're going to to go with your family like this is a good thing and to find out that it wasn't a good thing mm-hmm. and so by the time she came back to me um i'll say maybe 5 years later oh 5 years 5 years later she came back to me as as a 17 year old child because of what she had been through Wow. So emotionally. Wait a minute. All right, all right. You know what? That's yeah. why I'm misunderstanding. All right. All right. So when you first took her in, how old was she? She was like 16 okay. when I got her. She was going. She was about to be 18 when she left. Okay. And so he made it seem like he was coming to get her and he was going to help her to like finish out the last of high school and like mm-hmm. go on to, mm-hmm. to and become And she came back adult. five years later? Five years later, she came back emotionally to me. Still 17. Oh, okay. No, because of yeah, the yeah, trauma, trauma that she endured when she was with her family. Her father. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, hmm. And so, like, talking about the relationship between, you know, her and, and my biological children. Now, even though she was so much older, she needed so much from me. Mm-hmm. Like, she needed so much mothering. Mm-hmm. Um, and my children had to make space for that to happen yeah and so they you know they kind of talk about how like they don't have a mother like Mm. (laughs) you know the community has a mother that they get to share with you know Mm -hmm. um but it was you know i think about that situation specifically because when we you know were in a space only for maybe a year or two where it was just me and, and, and the biological children mm-hmm. before the other children um, came to Atlanta with us. Um, yeah, they didn't have me alone for long. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I got my first foster when my son was four. Yeah. And so... <laughs> okay, okay. So that was, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, so your children are actually much younger than your foster kids. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the my youngest foster and be, daughter was 15 and they clarity. were four. Yeah, okay. Yeah, my, okay, my gotcha, gotcha. Four. So, um, damn, they had instant older, older siblings. Yeah. <laughs> but well, too, the older ones kind of broke me in. So uh, I learned how to figure out how to do a lot of stuff by the time my biological children became teenagers. Okay. <laughs> I already knew how to handle all of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was interesting because then I do show up then as a package deal for everyone that I'm dating. Right. Mm-hmm. So not only do I have two children. I have seven children yeah. sometimes, you know, but a, a solid five. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and some, and you know, some of my foster children are not very much younger than I am, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm just starting out teaching high school, I'm turning thirty. Yeah, they're fifteen, right? Wow. 16, okay. 17, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so. There were a lot of things that... It's like you was a teenage mom. You yeah. had a kid for 15, <laughs> you're only 30 when they're teenagers. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. imagine she, uh, when my foster daughter comes to me and she already has a baby, he's calling me grandma in the street. I I look a lot younger than 30 at 30. <laughs> and people are like, grandma, oh my God, the judge. Listen, when I, first, when I first met you at the, um, what's the, that women's festival that was in Malibu? Um, oh, help um, me, help um, me. Yes, uh, yes, yes. You know what I'm talking about, right? I do. All right, so. When we did the hell hike. <laughs> I don't remember that. It must that have been mountain. out of memory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, but I remember when, um, I don't know, we was in someone's room because it was like all these kind of, you know, you could rent a room or whatever. It was like cabins a, or something. Cabins, like that. something like yeah. that, right? So we was in someone's cabin, all just chilling out, whatever. And I just knew off the bat you was like, 19 or something, <laughs> you know, and, and, and in my head, I put you in that box until you kept talking. I was like, she, that's a little bit more than an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> 
she know grown shit. She got grown tone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it took me a and that is grown tone, but it, you know, it took it's something about your demeanor. Right off the bat, you look like a kid. Mm-hmm. And you, you know what I'm saying? And them them grades are helping you, but you know, Thank but you look you. a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I get, I can imagine people. <laughs> and at that time, probably shit. You probably had all them kids under the roof too. Yeah. <laughs> so then, yeah, you can imagine the, the the people who didn't know the situation, the yeah. judgment when they see like all of these, you know, teenagers calling me mama. I look like a teenager they myself. Sell. Like when you had right. them too. <laughs> yeah, um, I was twenty two. You know, pregnant, and people thought I was a teenage mother. Should. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> probably got shit for that too. All right, so here's a question that I just want to make sure that we answer a question mm-hmm. to anyone else out there who is seriously thinking about wanting to foster a child, whether it's similar to red situation where you see other gay youth out there that, oh, fuck, I have means. Come yeah. here. I need, you know. Yeah. Um, like, um, I don't want to go into the logistics of it because if you're serious about it, you're going to learn the logistics. Mm-hmm. More so, um, how did you navigate it at the time Yeah. as a queer person because mm-hmm. I know what a friend of mine kind of went through a little bit with that, yeah. but it wasn't. It was somewhat of an obstacle, even in New York. Yeah. So what was that like, and and how did you overcome it? If there was something to overcome, I was really blessed that the um, the Jay's caseworker allowed me to do a couple of things that were unconventional for the time. Mm-hmm. So what state were you in? The Chicago. I'm in right? yeah, in okay. Chicago. Um, one. She came and she knew that, you know, I was a lesbian and I was living with my partner at the time. Um, But she was excited that Jay would be able to live in a house where she had her own closet. Mm. Like this was the first time in her life Mm. that she had a, a bedroom and a closet to hang her clothes up. And because she knew that I had made that kind of space for her, um... And teenagers don't get a lot of placement mm-hmm. a lot of time in the system. And so as a teenager with a baby, she was just so excited that I said yes, mm-hmm. that she didn't make me jump through a lot of hoops. I still had to do the class and I had to like, you know, get the license and all of that. But um, she was was supportive that she didn't have to worry about this particular child and her caseload. And then going into... Um, the foster like housing system with a baby is is chaotic um so she was you know really excited for that and i also did not receive money for jay Mm. um i we made sure that the money went to jay so that she could take care of the baby yeah oh okay yeah okay and so she got a chance to like learn money management and learn budgeting and learn all of that because I made sure instead of I'm taking the money and I'm telling you what you're going to do, mm-hmm. this is the money that you have this month. These are the things that he needs. And we had to go through like her managing like how to care for her child on her own. Mm-hmm. So when I was ready to go, I didn't have to worry about her like yeah. because she knew how to adult. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, then that's. You know, four children that I had that I did not receive money for. It wasn't like I was in it to get the the payback hmm. because I, yeah. I never had yeah. that experience. Um, it was just making sure that they were able to to survive until they were able to take care of themselves as adults. Mm-hmm. I wanted them all to go to college. That wasn't the path that they all chose for themselves, mm-hmm. right? Um, but just making sure that they felt safe that the children, like all of the children felt safe. They felt loved. Mm-hmm. They felt um, that they were a part of a family and community because a lot of children go out and seek very unhealthy relationships with people because they, they want to feel like they're in a family. Yeah, they're searching for family, but since they never had family or the family they had was dysfunctional, mm-hmm. even even worse because that's what you start gravitating towards some of the same. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're all human. At the end of the day, we still want to feel like somebody out there love us. If shit came down to it, somebody got our back. Mm-hmm. Somebody is repeatedly saying that I love you. Yeah. You know, I got a roof over my head, you know. And, you know, this is something, I mean, I'm, I'm so... Well, I'm honored to know you because the more and more I hear about your story, you know, with your children and to take on 
that level of responsibility at still a relatively young person, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, it's responsible to have a child, period, but to think on someone else's child and someone else's somewhat grown child is at, at that. I mean, it's such... I, I, I just have a lot of respect for it because I'm exactly the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> But 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 you know, just hearing like these stories and like these like those are three babies that could have been something completely different mm-hmm. if you hadn't happened upon them in their life. Yeah, you know, um, and it's, you know, so I say like you know, for those of you out there who are looking at the children as we call them around you who are needing because there are so many. Children out there um, who are not who are actually out, out of high school, you mm-hmm. know, but still babies, but yeah. they're put out there um, by their families who gave up the responsibility of being a family. Um, essentially, you know, if you have the means and you have the patience and you have the wherewithal uh-huh. um, to do that, then. We want to encourage you to do it because at the end of the day, what we all need is a foundation. Just like you said, you went into it like, okay, I got these babies, but also in the back of your head, oh, you wanted them to go to college. But at the end of the day, people are going to do what they're going to do, but everyone deserves a foundation. Yeah. And you springboard and do what you're going to do in life, but without that foundation, which essentially is family and shelter and food Uh and and a little bit of knowledge to kind of get you kickstarting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Without that, you're susceptible, or they are susceptible to so much of the world's ills, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 then you know we look at you know a lot of LGBT youth out there, you know, just having they just ass out, you know, just out there, and, you know, and people who don't understand what they're looking at were like, oh, see, they 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 associate homelessness with 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 gayness. Mm-hmm. They associate. All the situation that this young person is in because it's because they're gay, not because the people who were supposed to do this fucking work, yeah, <laughs> drop the ball and assume. And, and I see, I think a lot of parents um, think, well, if you're going to make the choice to do that, you can do it on your own. It's like, first of all, ain't the choice, and second of all, these are babies; they don't know shit about yeah. the world. All they know about the world is high school. Mm-hmm. And then you putting them out with these evil motherfuckers out here, and yeah. you wonder why they get caught up. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're out there and you want to take in some LGBT youth, you have again the means to do so. Do it. I mean, do your homework yeah. and prepare it, and prepare your family for it. But if you can do it, do it because so so many of us need that foundation, so more of us can grow into ourselves in a more in a, in a healthier way. Mm-hmm. You know, so our community overall becomes healthy. And we're not just always trying to get over ourselves because we all went through shit. Right. <laughs> you know? But I, I have to add, too, like, it wasn't me. Like, mm. just me. I was I was never a single mother, mm. like, in the way that a lot of people are. I have very supportive partners. Mm. Like, my best friends um, are their aunties. Mm-hmm. Like, and they go to, to my best friends as much as they come to me for things. Like, we really, like, created community around the children. And we just, um, Enina J has a, a line in one of her poems, like, just make sure the baby's not hungry. Because mm. the wolves know when they hungry. Ooh. Right? <laughs> and so, everybody um, in my community, um, personal and extended just made sure the babies had what they needed Needed. right so that's such a good line because the wolves know when they hungry yeah hungry (laughs) is a metaphor for so much yeah (laughs) emotionally physically like all of those things like when when they come with all of those holes then people know it and they they know where to to go to manipulate them and exactly how to do that and so you know I don't feel like mm-hmm. all of it was um, like that it went the way that I imagined it would go. Like, you know, everybody's adults and they're, they're doing things in their ways. But I just know that they know that I love them mm-hmm. and that I'm I'm there for them. Like I, you know, am still accessible and a part of their lives as adults. Um, and that's that's yeah. the best you could do. do that's it. all I can do for my, my biological children. <laughs> right? They're nuts now. And I'm like, hey, like, um, I hope it works out. 
Good luck with that. <laughs> you know, you know, I got you. All hell breaks out. But yeah. I torched you enough where not too much hell should be breaking out. Absolutely. Just a couple of flickers and, you know, flames here and there. Yeah. You know, we burn down the house now. Absolutely. <laughs> and I got good advice. So yeah. call me when you need it. Exactly. Yeah. So we can do some preemptive stuff. So all that, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> and if you need some good advice, then you send us an email. <laughs> At gayaunties at gmail.com because we got it. Exactly. And so reminder, next week we have Dr. Um, Lakara Foster, Woo. who is both minister and medium. Mm-hmm. So if you all have questions for her, you best to get it to us ASAP this week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, as soon as you hear this podcast, throw us um, formulate a letter and send it to us at gayaunties at gmail.com. And reminder, reminder again, we are on Patreon.com at your gay um, aunties where you can support us to um, help us pay for all the bills that it takes to make this happen and, you know, for our time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but just wanted to add for the the Lakara uh, show mm-hmm. next week that just to, to specify, like Lakara works with connecting people with their loved ones who are in the ancestor realm Mm. right and so she does a lot of work around healing those things that happen when people are taken from us in the physical realm Mm. so uh, blood or non-blood it can it's been love yeah everything yeah Mm. um and so take some time and, and check out her show called the gift and then you'll know what we're talking about, and you'll be able to formulate your letters. For... Where can they listen to the gift? Is it a podcast? the gift? Is a, like, um, is it? It's a show on YouTube. Oh, okay. So YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yep. So look up Dr. Lakara Foster, the gift on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Lakara L A K A R A. We'll we'll put it. Maybe we'll put a link to her thing um, in this episode, just so y'all know what's coming up in the next episode. Cool. Or whatever we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, y'all, we're wrapping up yet another one. Chuck, chugging, you know, choo choo, making our way to episode 100. Um, So, and this is a closer thing. All right. Uh, With that being said, I am Red Summer. And I am Honey Walita. And we are your gay aunties. Bye, babies. Bye, darlings. (laughs) Woo!